0: Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Wakis porter You must be prepared to ignite.
1: We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing, or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Coming up on this episode of the Entrepreneurial You, when we think Think of ongoing learning for
0: organizations. I think that the, the definition of learning needs to be expanded beyond the training environment. Yeah. That said, that 10% can't be discounted, right? So having an opportunity to take a, take a step away from life, take a step away from emails and phone calls and get into the training room um, or go to a conference and meet other people and network. That's super important. And so, um, but a lot of organizations are like, well, we don't have budget. If you take a look at ATD, so the Association for Talent Development, they have an annual state of the industry report. And that will tell you about how much, uh, according to respondents for this study, uh, how much organizations are spending per head on training. And I think that's a really interesting benchmark for organizations to take a look at. You know, do we spend any money on, on formal learning for our staff? Are we, how are we measuring up to what average organizations do? Are we above average? How much time are people spending?
1: Tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. Benjamin Franklin. Hello, 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 my people Former, What are going on? How are you today? Welcome to episode 158 of the Entrepreneurial You Podcast. I'm your host, Henica Watkiss porter Today's episode is with Brian Washburn. Brian is the co-founder and CEO of Endurance Learning. And Endurance Learning is a boutique instructional design firm dedicated to ensuring every professional development experience is engaging and leads to change. Brian is also the co-creator of Soapbox, the world's first and only rapid authoring tool for instructor-led teaching. I am excited about the conversation we're going to be having surrounding um, continuous learning and how it's a necessary tool for an effective team. Welcome, Brian. Welcome. So good to have you.
0: I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome, and it was such a pleasure to meet you at the ATD Technology um, event that just concluded in San Jose.
0: It was it was a lot of fun to be there. Um, doing the session was a lot of fun, and, and it was exciting for you to come up afterwards and, and talk to me a little bit about this. So, um, uh, the day is here. I'm, I'm excited to, to have this conversation.
1: Awesome. So, a question to you: Have you ever been to Jamaica?
0: You know, I have not. I've been to a number of places around this great big world and I've done training in a number of those places. So I have uh, lots of experience in North America, South America. I lived in Paraguay for two years, um, Europe, Africa, Asia, but I have never actually done any work in the Caribbean. My experience in the Caribbean is is, um, is kind of relegated to uh, a family vacation to the Dominican Republic. So I have, I, it's, it's an aspirational goal to, okay. to be there.
1: So let's talk about changing that, right? We need to change that. So you and I can talk after this. All right. Um, uh, do you know by any chance a Jamaican song though?
0: Do I know a Jamaican song? Um, I, you know, my, I'm, I'm kind of a top 40 guy, mm-hmm. so I don't, I, I, I don't have a ton of, um, of diversity. And, and, and so I, <laughs> In in my musical days, I I you know what Hennica, I'm I'm realizing now that uh, I need to expand my horizons.
1: Yes, yes, because the next thing I was going to ask you is to sing, but maybe it's it's a blessing in disguise, <laughs> <Why would I? laughs>
0: that, The listeners will thank you that, or thank me that I haven't I can't sing.
1: All right, moving right along. Let's. Um, my listening to think. Um, is this interview about Jamaica or Jamaican songs, whatever? No, it's not. Um. And it's just how I love to, you know, kind of pre-engage my 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 guests, um, just to have a light moment because, especially you now we're going into serious stuff like continuous learning, right? Um, let, let's do that. Endurance learning. What's the focus of your organization?
0: You know, we have two sides to the house. Um, one is we'll spend some time with organizations that are trying to put together training programs or maybe refresh some of the training programs that they already offer. And they're looking to make their their programs more engaging. So we'll work with organizations to develop training programs, whether it's instructor led or e learning, and um, and just to make the the programs that they deliver effective, engaging, and they lead to change. Um, you know, an example is that we had a, a big manufacturing company come to us and say, you know, we we have these training programs. But they involve one experienced, very experienced person who has been delivering this content for 40 years and he has 300 slides and people love it but nobody else can replicate what he's doing. And so they came to us and said, can, can you help us refresh it? And so we took that from 300 slides down to 17 slides and, and made the, the session completely interactive. We took it from three days to two days. So that's that's one side of what we do. The other side is, and, and you mentioned it briefly in the introduction, we have a software tool that, uh, that we've developed that helps people put together engaging presentations faster and so a lot of times people need to put together a presentation but they don't have a training background and a lot of times people think well since I can talk I can train or since I can use PowerPoint I can train but the world of adult learning and, and how people learn it's very different from just having a conversation with people and so the software tool that we have helps to put together a, a sequence and flow of activities that you can then dump your own content into and and train people a little bit more effectively in in a more engaging environment so those are the two sides of the house designing custom training for for organizations and then also offering a tool that people can kind of do it yourself
1: okay a lovely mansion i i take it um so, you know, it's, it's interesting that you were able to take those 300 slides and condense them into 17. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but also, um, you also hit a very salient point that, you know, you believe you can talk and once you can, um, use a PowerPoint, then you can train. How does Soapbox, um, just take us through a little of, you know, the, the elements that, that are taken into consideration to create this tool so that it can be effective for, um, for training
0: yeah so soapbox is interesting because basically you sit down and you you give you you put a little bit of information into the computer so what's the training presentation that you have coming up what's the name of it like what's the topic uh how many people are going to be in attendance how much time do you have to deliver it and then what's the room setup going to look like And once you answer those questions, you're brought to the next page. And this is kind of the money page. This is the page where Soapbox really figures out, okay, based on what you, what you enter on this page, these are the activities that, that we would generate for you. And so the, the really the key pieces are what is it that people should be able to do by the end of a session? Because it, you would engage people differently if you want them simply to discuss or to compare and contrast concepts than you would if you want people to really understand and use a system, right? So if you're training people on something like a financial uh, management software or, or Salesforce or something like that, and you really want them to use the, the system, you would have different activities than you would if you simply want people to compare and contrast um a, a sales strategy or something like that. And so Soapbox will take a little bit of the information that you you enter and it will generate a, a lesson plan for you. And that lesson plan will give you a series of activities Activities and, and those activities are arranged. And this is what's different from just talking to people. The activities that Soapbox generates are arranged in a formula that goes anchor, content, application. So anchor is an activity that is designed to get people familiar with your topic. A lot of times people make the mistake of just starting to launch into their content and they don't have the whole audience with them yet. The audience hasn't been able to connect to the content. They don't understand why it's important. So that's what an anchor activity does. And then the next activity it generates is a content activity, and that could be lecture. That's kind of your traditional way to present content, Um, but it could be something like a gallery walk where you have people walking around the room and exploring concepts, or you could present your content as a case study, um, like a use case. Again, if you're trying to train people on uh, a sales um, process or if you're trying to train people on a software tool, You want people to really understand not just the theory behind it, not the concepts, not the the engineering behind it, but how does it help people? So maybe instead of lecturing at people, you want to give them a case study. And then the final step is application, where that's where people actually get an opportunity to roll up their sleeves and use your content. And that's what's going to make it meaningful for them and how they'll remember it. So again, instead of simply thinking I can use PowerPoint and and I can talk to this topic because I really know this topic. Training involves getting your learners, your participants to do something new or differently or better. So Soapbox takes things from an audience centric approach and really tries to figure out how can a presenter engage them in, in, a, in a logical sequence and flow of activities.
1: Mm-hmm. And how much of your wallet share you'd have to give up to to use Soapbox?
0: <laughs> That's a great question. So, Soapbox itself is fifty nine dollars a month um, for for people if they're going to start to use it. Um, with more users, that price goes down. Um, and then there's obviously if, if for people just to kind of try it out. Um, there's, there's a two week free trial. So when you think of it and you think of what, what's your prorated hourly rate if you're a salaried employee, um, if you're designing two or three presentations a month and this can get you 50, 60, 70% of the way to, to there within five or 10 minutes of just entering some of this information, um, it really can allow people to start to do what it is that they're paid to do so a lot of times people who put together training presentations they're not trainers they're not paid to do training they're paid to to be salespeople, or they're paid to be engineers or they're paid to be accountants or whatever so the company makes money when they are doing their job not when they're out training people and so if you're able to do more of your time um in and what it is that you've been hired to do and spend less time putting together 300 slides that people may or may not understand or pay attention to or remember when you're done, then that's kind of the the investment that that we're looking for people to make when they when they take a look at Soapbox.
1: OK. All right. So come back now to something startling that you had mentioned um as an example that bringing down 300 slides from 300 slides to 17 17 slides so i kind of wanted a picture painted of what exactly were on those slides and so it's from you know to begin with and then once you once you you condensed it how did it look what did you eliminate and stuff like that what was the process like
0: yeah, that's a really interesting story. And so when when basically the organization kind of gave us their slide deck and said, how do we make this more engaging? And the first thing we did was we took a look at it and our, our eyes started to get fuzzy and blurry and we, we didn't understand what we were seeing. So we needed to have uh, a subject matter expert sit down with us and, and kind of translate it. There's a lot of technical material and the slides and so the first thing we had to do is take a step back and say okay there's a ton of information here more than can be covered in two or three days and so what's going to be the important stuff and so we sat down we sat back and said um, what is it that you want people to be able to do by the end of this two or three day program and starting with the learning objectives we're able to figure out okay so there's a lot of information in in these slide decks some of it is really important, and it's going to get us to those objectives. It's going to get people to um, to what it is that we want them to be able to do by the end of the program. Some of it's nice to have, and some of it's just superfluous. It's, it's outside of scope of what you just said in terms of what people should be able to do. So that's how we were able to start to eliminate some of the information and, and obviously some of the slides that went with it. Beyond that, we started to design a series of activities that would present the information and then have people practice using it. Um, So whether it's role play, and a lot of times when we do role play, um, people will roll their eyes, oh, role play. But we try to make the situations as realistic as possible and then we also add video. So we'll ask participants to take out their phones and video each other so that they can see themselves in the role play and then um, review the video. Uh, because when, when you're videoing people, suddenly when and you get feedback, um, suddenly people can't say, no, 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 I didn't say ah uh or um a lot. They can't say, I wasn't aggressive to that customer that I was role playing with. You, the video doesn't lie. And so when we started to throw some activities like that in there, we converted a lot of the content-based slides to basically just activity instructions. People need to know what they're supposed to be doing at any game in training. And then the way that we took out a ton of slides was we moved a lot of that information into a participant guide. So the issue with having 300 slides is that once you advance the slide during a presentation, it's gone. But if you have it in a handout, in a participant guide, then that information will be in front of your participants as long as you, as long as they have that guide. And then that's a takeaway too, right? They can take it home and refer back to it. So that was the biggest thing was we moved a lot of the information into the participant guide. Um, and then the slides themselves were really used as a visual tool for the presenter and for the participants to really cue their attention, maybe explain some concepts. And also um, the slides were used as as guides for instructions for any of the activities that we did.
1: And what's the timeline? What time frame um, did this process take? Uh, that So that project, um, we had a
0: pretty aggressive timeline on that specific project. Um, and and we were able to kind of take a look and, and work through that in about two months. And so um, from from the time that we were given, you know, the 300 side deck to the time that we were doing a train the trainer and the train the train. So so. It's, it's actually an interesting question. How long did that process take? So we did the train the trainer. And, and so for that particular project, it was about a two-month timeline. Now, getting the trainers to actually adopt this process of more um, participant-centered, activity-based training, that was a whole other process, right? So and, and we were fortunate enough, and we continue to work with this company several years on, um where they they continue to have us come in and work with their trainers and develop the muscle of being more participant centered as opposed to the the sage on the stage delivery where they're just you know kind of looking at the slides and and presenting information for 3 days on 300 slides so that project you know to answer your question that project took 2 months the process of getting the trainers to be more um participant centered and activity based that that's a, that's been a longer process mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And I'm sure, yeah, of course, it's more ongoing than anything else. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that when it comes on to learning and, you know, as adults, like I was having, um, I don't know if you know, David, David uh, Blake, I had him on the on the podcast and we're just talking about, you know, sometimes you think about learning when you ask somebody about their education, they tell you where they went to university, but learning is just yep. so much more than that, right? Like the example he gave is that when, if, when somebody asks about your health, if you had said to them that you, or oh, you run a marathon 12 years ago, that does not um answer the question, yeah. right? It, it, it's not, it, it's right. absurd really. So in terms yeah. of learning and particularly adult learning in, in the context of work, working in an organization, working in a small business, um, how should we approach that kind of learning, right? I mean, they they would have come many times employees come with their degrees or certificates or whatever it is. How do we approach learning from that standpoint, you know, of adults in an, um, in an organization, in a business?
0: That is such an important question. You know, and, and the topic that, that, that you want to touch on today was continuous learning, a necessary tool for an effective team. And that question that you just asked, I think is so important. And I'm I'm preaching from the standpoint of somebody who's who's made this my business, right? Learning and development. That's what we do. But the continuous learning is such an important piece for anybody who manages a team. It doesn't matter if you're in the learning space or not, because um like you mentioned it's people can't simply rely on the degree they earned 12 years ago just like a runner can't rely on the fact that he ran a marathon 12 years ago. Right. And so I, I'll give you a, a personal example. When I first started um, in in the world of training and development, we did a lot of work when we were training other people how to train around learning styles. So some learners are auditory learners. So they learn best when they hear things. Some are visual learners. So they learn best when they see things. Some are kinesthetic learners. So they learn best when they they can actually touch Um, touch the learning. And so we did a ton of work around this. We started to actually even early prototypes of soapbox had that learning style piece in it. It's kind of, it makes sense, right? Different people learn different ways. Well, I started to do a little research and, and my world was rocked when I started reading a bunch of articles that said, there's no science behind learning styles. And so Everything that I was preaching well not everything, but when I was when I was preaching the idea of learning styles, suddenly I realized that was invalid stuff. I would still be doing this 20 years later had I not been reading some of the the research that said no, that's it's a fad. it's it's based on no science. And so we changed the way that soapbox is made, we changed the way that we train trainers based on some some stuff that we learned and so that is a specific example of how it's impact continuous learning and why it's important because you start to learn what's effective and what's not Um, and and then you can act on that and so for teams to do this and for managers to drive their teams to do this it's essential
1: When you think about organizations at times, I mean, there, there, there are major organizations that really see the value of training, but particularly smaller organizations. Um, training sometimes is one of the, the last thing they think about, or if, you know, if they had a budget for it and budget has to go is perhaps one of the first things that they cut. Um, what you say to that and, and, and is that, uh, is that a trend that we should be practicing?
0: Yeah. You know, I think that that's really where a lot of people default in, is to think of training as an event or training as a, as a session, maybe instructor led, maybe it's e-learning. And one of the biggest things that I think is really important for anybody in any organization to understand is that learning ongoing learning can take many forms. And so the center for creative Leadership a number of years ago, came out with this model. It's called the 70 20 model. And basically what they said is that when it comes to, and this was leadership development, but it's been extended to learning, when people learn, about 10% of the time that they're learning comes from formal education, formal events it could be a training session it could be a conference it could be some sort of you know we're talking about a little bit more modern um, technologies and e-learning but only about 10 percent of how we learn and when we learn happens in a in a more formal way 20 percent of our learning comes from um comes from supportive relationships and social interactions and then uh and that can be things like you know, your your conversations with a supervisor, a supervisor can actually educate you and give you advice and and hold you responsible and accountable and set goals. All of that is is stuff that will either help you learn or motivate you to learn. And then 70 percent of our learning comes just through informal methods. You know, when when I want to learn how to do something on an Excel spreadsheet, I'll Google it. Right. I'm learning. I don't need a training session for that. I can look something up online and and find out the answer. And that think about how often we do that on a daily basis. Go to Google, go to YouTube, something like that. And so when we think of ongoing learning for organizations, I think that the the definition of learning needs to be expanded beyond the training environment. Absolutely. That said, yeah. That said that 10% can't be discounted, right? So having an opportunity to take a take a step away from life, take a step away from emails and phone calls and get into the training room um, or go to a conference and meet other people and network, that's super important. And so, um, but a lot of organizations are like, well, we don't have budget. If you take a look at ATD, so the Association for Talent Development, they have an annual state of the industry report and that will, tell you about how much, uh, according to respondents for this study, uh, how much organizations are spending per head on training, and I think that's a really interesting benchmark for organizations to take a look at. You know, Do we spend any money on, on formal learning for our staff? Are we, how are we measuring up to what average organizations do? Are we above average? How much time are people spending? So that report can actually be used really well to benchmark learning initiatives for an organization. The last thing I'll say about the expenses that come with, especially sending somebody to a conference, is that sometimes people can actually mitigate those expenses if they actually decide to be a presenter at a conference. A lot of conferences offer um, free registration of the conference if you have a speaking proposal that's been accepted. And so not only can you attend a conference for free, you are actually working on your own presentation skills, and you're showcasing your organization and um, in, in some of the things that your organization may be doing. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of ways that we can get around the idea that learning's expensive expensive, um, or that we um, it, it can't be a priority. Mm-hmm.
1: So how does a, as an organization, how does one create a culture of continuous learning?
0: You know, a lot of it starts with the the supervisors, the leadership, the vision. A lot of organizations will have value statements somewhere along the lines that say we value learning in, in some way, shape or form. And so one of the big questions is, does the organization actually walk that talk? Um, you know, the Amazon.com here in Seattle has one of their leadership principles and, and the organization. If you talk to anybody at Amazon, they know all of the leadership principles. Well, one of them is to hire and develop the best people. And so not only do they need to hire the people, but they need to continue to develop them. So part of it goes into the organizational DNA. Right. So how, how serious does an organization um, hold those values? Then you come to leadership. You know, yes, we need. I've I've worked at lots of organizations, big and small, and um, you know, it's always we don't have enough hours in the day. We can't take time out to to learn. Um, because we have to keep producing, 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 or doing, doing, doing. And this goes back to a Stephen Covey principle um, and and kind of a parable in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People about this this guy is walking in through the woods one day and he sees uh, a lumberjack and he's out and the lumberjack is trying to saw down this tree and he's sawing and sawing and sawing. And the guy who's walking by says, well, why don't you take some time to to sharpen that, that saw? It might go fast. Right. Absolutely. And the lumberjack's like, I don't have time to sharpen the saw. I need to cut this tree down. And that's the thing uh, that I think a lot of organizations um, fall into that trap is that we don't have time to to sharpen our saw. We have to do, do, do. Well, if we take a step back and we're able to sharpen that saw, maybe we could do, do, do faster or more effectively.
1: Mm, you couldn't have said that any better. Take the time to sharpen your saw Any final thoughts from you, Brian, um, as we wrap up our conversation? You know, I think that the, 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 thank you for
0: having me on. And I really appreciate the opportunity to to talk about the importance of, of learning because it's not just something that falls on HR or learning and development teams or companies. It's really responsible for anybody that wants to be in any sort of leadership position. You need to be, if you're going to lead, you need people to follow you, right? And you want the best people to follow you. And that means that they have to continue to be to be smart on top of their game, on top of the industry trends. And all of that takes learning, whether that happens in a formal setting, whether that happens peer to peer, or whether that happens informally. The learning is, is a really important piece to, to any organizational strategy.
1: Oh, thank you so much for that! And how does one get in touch with you if they want to connect?
0: So you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Flipchart Guy, and um, that's kind of a, an homage to to my instructor led background. And then if you wanted to email me, feel free to shoot me a note at Brian at EnduranceLearning dot com. And then I, I write a, a blog post on Thursdays at trainlikeachampion.blog. dot blog.
1: No, I'm super happy that I was able to speak with you, first of all, meet you because I don't get to meet all my guests. So when I get an opportunity to connect personally um, with my guests, I I, am really happy about that. And it makes it even more so special. So thank you, Brian. uh, Brian Washburn. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me absolutely and thank you my people formal for tuning into this episode with brian washburn of course it was an interesting discussion talking about the importance of learning um, continuous learning how necessary it is for developing an effective team remember you were born to win but to be a winner you must plan to win prepare to win and expect to win what good